What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. everyone welcome to another episode of behind the grill and for the first time in like a month and a half we will have an actual prepared topic as the episode we're not recapping a pay-per-view we're not talking about our favorite matches we actually have a topic uh that i prepared for this week so you know we're, we're back in the saddle kind of we're, we're getting back into the swing of things football season's over for for me high school football so a lot more free time and uh, we're going to get into that. Also, we have a few other things we have to talk about first because kind of a big thing happened on Wednesday night. AEW Dynamite had one of its greatest shows of all time. Um, now, again, there's been many amazing Dynamites. Like, the first one was amazing. The one I got to go to in Atlanta was amazing. There's been countless other ones. But this is just another one of those that was just one of the greatest things of all time. And it really comes down to... And Harris, I think the uh, a great TV episode of wrestling, I think it really comes down to not having really anything horribly stupid and having, you know, one or two like huge moments, I think is more like a pay-per-view is more about match quality and stuff like that. But the shows, they can really get by with just, you know, kind of some big moments and, and things like that. And uh, I, I think this Dynamite is... It's gotta be it's gotta be top three at least all time. Oh yeah, no, I mean it was it was a great show. It was a really solid like you said, it didn't feel like a pay per view. Right. Which is kind of what I was expecting, and I'm I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Despite like advertising for the main event, I think they you know, was was pay per view quality. The rest of it not so much, but that's fine, because you're right. Like the beats and the things that happened and the way it ended. I mean, I think the mark of a great episode of TV is when you can't wait to tune in next week. Yep. And this is one of the best examples of that I've ever seen in any wrestling show, period. I mean, yes. it's it's fantastic. You want to you want to just dive right into that now? We have anything else to talk about first? Or are we going to do it? Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I was just going to talk about this and the topic. I didn't really have much else to talk right. about. No, perfect. Let's do it. So uh, we can just go through. They had the Battle Royal at the beginning, which was fine. It, again, it, it did what it needed to do. I was very confused. I've never seen a Battle Royal uh, ring the bell while everyone's not in the ring. And then people got in the ring. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? why? Just stay outside the ring. We had a couple of heels that did it. I was like, yeah, you can't get eliminated if you just stay out here. They're going to start the yeah. match. Let everyone go in there and do it. And I'm like, that was dumb. I, I feel like that was just an oversight by whoever was starting the match where it's like, all right, it doesn't really make sense to start the match before everyone's in the ring. So I have a question, and this is this is serious. This isn't rhetorical. The ring, this is all for the ring, right? So no. Like two people. Well, no? oh, oh uh, I, I believe so. I think this yeah. was for the, the final two would right. then wrestle for the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's what I mean. This whole device, it's it's the last two men wrestle the following week. 
for the ring. Now, I have yes. no problem with that. And I like, you know, the structured like tournament or, you know, battle royal determines the contenders. You wrestle a wrestling match like sporty wrestling. Right. All for it. I didn't know. I've spent a year mostly watching this program. I thought that was just MJF's ring. Oh, I no. didn't know that was like a thing. So it's just yeah. It's no, he like won that. Type. He won that back a year ago or whatever. But yeah. I thought that was just his. I was like, oh, he oh, won it. Now that's his well, thing. I, I don't. I, I don't actually know if a- they're. I don't actually know if they're wrestling for that ring. I don't know if it's another ring. That I don't know. I, I okay, don't, I don't so know. I but don't know so it's like a trophy then. Like every year you do this. That's what I thought, but maybe huh. not. Maybe he's they're gonna take his ring. But as far as I know, it's for a a new one. Like, no, like that yeah, makes like sense a trophy. Because he was like, you know, it'll be like Tom Brady in these two years, or Michael right. Jordan in these two years. Right. Like so that's what rings. I think. That's what I. Think. I don't. Maybe they established that, and I just missed it. I I never knew any of that was a thing. That's cool. Like I'm yeah. fine with it. It's an interesting, different thing to fight for. Like instead of a, I don't know, Crockett Cup or whatever. It's it's this ring, and you right. get like the 2021 ring, yeah. AEW, you know, diamond ring or whatever. That's cool. I just yeah, didn't I like know it. like any of that was a thing. Gotcha. I thought it was just a battle royal until like last week. <laughs> and then, you know, when I figured there's some vague title consideration at some point, I mean, all for it. And it's a cool like alternative to a secondary title or, you know, another secondary title. Yeah. Especially when just you only kinda... have two titles. It's yeah, right. it's it that yeah, no, works. I agree. Didn't know any of this was a thing, but I guess I'm into it. But the other thing I was going to say is I'm I'm really over the battle royal finish where somebody hides on the outside. Yeah. And yeah, not yeah, just yeah. because, you know, Bailey lost it that way three <laughs> years ago at WrestleMania. Here, boy, that finish was dumb and overplayed like four <laughs> years ago when that happened. Yeah. And they have just like every wrestling company has done it ever since. I appreciate that at least this time they sort of noticed it and that led to like an ounce more drama beforehand than if orange Cassidy just came back into the ring. Right. Also, you can't really get away with that with a guy the size of Wardlow. Like you can't really get away with orange Cassidy, just surprising him and throwing him over. I don't know. I think they maybe, maybe, but well, here's the thing. It's not really fair because orange Cassidy is the character most likely to get bored, wander (laughs) off and take a nap in the middle of a match. Right. But it's still been done so many times that I, dude, I'm just over it. And I'm, I agree. It, it's not, this is also not their fault, but like the last, um, the last WWE show, I think it was on raw. They literally, they did it. They did the spot. Dominic Mysterio was like, I did it. I won. Hooray. And then the heel was like, no, and threw him over the top rope. Yeah. And I was like, it's just, it's never changed. I'm sick of it. That being said, it's all fine. It's fun. I like the ring angle. It, it was good. Yeah, that's more of a nitpick than anything else. Find a different way to end a battle royal, especially if you're doing such a good job of like treating your wrestling as a sport. You can just have like three guys left and have a fight at the end. Like, that's OK. You yeah. can do that. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. Um. All right. But yeah, Orange Cassidy, MJF, that'll be a lot of fun because, again, MJ, MJF is like Jericho where his type of character fits perfectly with an with an Orange Cassidy type type character mm-hmm. like where he's just mm-hmm. gonna get mad the whole time like it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be great so yeah. i'm i'm all for that um then we we got kazarian and jericho for the first time last week we got jericho wrestling with uh christopher daniels in that tag match the first time they ever locked up which is crazy to think about two 30 year mm-hmm. veterans first time they're wrestling each other and kazarian's close to 30 years now wrestling 
getting at least 20 plus that, um, yeah. getting to wrestle with Jericho. So that was a lot of fun. The only problem though is Jericho's what? 51. He's 50, 51. He's up there. He, and, and again, this is a credit to Jericho, but he cannot wrestle like that anymore. And, and to his <laughs> credit, he is over the past like five years, he has drastically changed his wrestling, wrestling style. And, uh, you know, even, even a move as stupid as the Judas effect is part of that too. Um, so he's smart about that. But then when you get him in the ring with someone like Kazarian, who's not much younger than Jericho, but is just in tremendously better shape and still just better physically than Jericho, it, it kind of stands out. And so I felt like there was a little bit of that in this match. Like they weren't really working towards Jericho's strength. It was more like Jericho went out there and was like, yeah, I can hang with this guy. And it's mm-hmm. like, and he does that every now and then. I can tell he he goes into a match like, oh, I can hang with this guy. And then it's like, eh. like he can enough, but yeah. not great. So I feel like that kind of happened in this match a little bit where Kazarian was just kind of leaving him in the dust. Yeah, I think the only I agree. And I wasn't I wasn't that into this match just because there wasn't a lot of storyline there. I don't right. know as much about Kazarian. So I was taking it for what it is. You know, Oh, well, was, you'll know more about him after this topic. Oh, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. I totally set that up just like we intended. Um, (laughs) but that all that is to say, like the, the thing about Jericho working like that is that also works in kayfabe that Chris Jericho would think, oh yeah, I can go out there and I can hit all these high flying spots still. So it still works. Like that's a testament to him and how versatile he is Yeah, that even if like, the reality of life is that he's getting old and has lost a step. Like he's older and slower. You can also tell a story where he's older and slower and that's fine. Like it still works. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the best part about this match was the inner circle turmoil that keeps going because of MJF, which is just wonderful. And, that um, was very good. I like this. Great. A lot. Him coming out, going to throw in the towel, the, Guevara coming out. It's like, what is wrong with you taking it? And then Jericho just seeing Guevara with towel. It's, it's just classic. It's, it's one Oh one. It's wonderful heel work. And, uh, and then Jericho just getting mad and being like, forget it. We're either sorting this out or no more inner circle. I'm in, I'm in. It's wonderful. And they, they couldn't be handling all of this any better. I did. I loved that point, And I love that Jericho, he didn't quite come out and say this, but is clearly like, all right, look, I've been doing this long enough to know that one of y'all is going to turn on somebody at a key moment if we don't fix this out. Yeah. And I would rather just break the whole team up than like have it cost somebody a title down the line. Yeah, that's very funny. I also think, and I like it. I do. I'm, I'm into it. I think it's perfect. I like that he's smart enough to not let these tensions fester for too long. That's an interesting twist. I was kind of expecting more time. It's still very funny that it feels like every other week on Dynamite we're having like a business meeting of the inner circle doing one thing or another. Like three weeks ago they were debating whether or not to let MJF in, mm-hmm. and now they're debating whether or not to break up. That's not a criticism. I'm fine with it. I just think it's pretty funny. And whatever they decide to do, they need to let <laughs> it stick for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. We don't need any more board meetings for, for a few months at least. <laughs> Uh, let's let's have another Vegas trip. Yeah, that'd be fun. That was or, nice. like scale it. I I was really hoping. I know why they don't do this, but I was really hoping they would get like kayfabe sick and MJF and Sammy Guevara are like quarantined together because they both got it in Las Vegas. Oh, I get why you're not. Yeah, do yeah, that, yeah. But come on, that's 
I know it's serious, but boy, that would have been funny. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> yeah, that that could be that could be interesting. But um, anyway, so that that's fun. And and again, the other good thing about this show, like AEW, they continue to push their angles forward. Like almost every piece of this show was pushing something forward, or or starting something or whatever. Like it's uh, so I they do a good job with that. Just like the next match, Britt Baker versus uh, Layla Hirsch. Which one? It's always funny when you have someone like Britt Baker. Or, or, or some a wrestler like that, like a normal wrestler, wrestle an actual athlete who's now becoming a wrestler, but the uh, athlete is a new wrestler, so the match has to be like, this is an old veteran who knows how to wrestle versus a newcomer, when you're like, Hirsch would beat the complete crap out of Britt Baker, and it's very obvious, this entire match. Yeah. So, looks, and this happens, this happens every time whenever they bring a real a real athlete into wrestling for the first time, even if they're new to wrestling, they still look like they could destroy the veteran wrestler in the ring because they could. So it's always funny how they do matches where they try and hide that. It's just, it's just always interesting to watch. And this was just another example. And uh, I thought they did an okay job, but uh, ultimately it doesn't matter because it's just for Thunder Rosa and Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker is what we all are 100% on board with. And uh, mm-hmm. Thunder Rosa is going to um, probably kill Britt Baker, if we're being honest. Oh, imagine. That'd be great. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, uh, Yeah, I mean, this is kind of – this is exactly what I think you want from the women's division at this point, which is, look, we've teed up Britt Baker with another, like, top-tier women's wrestler in the program with Thunder the biggest, Rosa. The biggest wo- woman – probably the most over women's wrestler outside of WWE right now, except for maybe Blanchard. Ooh, ooh, okay. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know enough about women's wrestling outside of WWE. Comment on that. That feels right. She's the biggest in my heart for sure. Oh but, yeah. So like, we've got these two feuding. This is going to be okay. Britt Baker's going to go over, and also here's another wrestler for you. Like, learn about her. She's she's here now. Yeah. And it was good. Like, I liked her. I thought she was interesting because yeah, you're me right. Too. She's clearly built like an athlete. You see, her and you're like, all right, this girl can do something. Like, she's. She's a good fighter. You can tell. Yeah. Like I'll note that. That's. You can't I forgot really, what she. Yeah. I forgot what she was. I, I forgot what. I forgot what, what sport she, she came, was. I forgot what sport she came out of. Um. The oh, you're you're talking about Layla Hirsch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't remember what like discipline she came from. I don't remember if it was judo or jujitsu. I don't remember what she came from or wrestling. I don't know. They kept but talking was something. about. I just know she's Russian, like has a yeah. Russian heritage that they're playing up, which is fine. But that's like that's something. I know it's basic, but that's not a bad thing in yeah. a women's division where you need pieces on the board. You need characters more than anything else. Like the work rate will come. Yeah. But plant some kind of seed, you know, like I, I was excited to see that. And yeah, it was a good match. Thunder Rose is back at the end. So you're like, all right, angle continues. We got a new piece on the board. It's all, yeah, I, I was happy with it. Yep. Yep. That's going to be great. It's a lot of fun. Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, hottest rivalry going. Um, all right. Then we had the tag match, Cody Rhodes, Darby versus uh, Ricky Starks. And I hate the name powerhouse Hobbs still. I'm, it just, it sounds so WWE. It sounds so WWE. It's like, no, he's not Will Hobbs. He's powerhouse Hobbs. It's like, at least, at call least him the powerhouse a, Will Hobbs. It sounds way better. 
at least it's a heel move to be like, no, 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 call me powerhouse. True. It's, it's a little bit better for that if they would lean into it. But yeah, it's dumb. Baffling choice. Like, no, no, Will's the good guy. You can boo a guy named Will. It's okay. Yes, you can. But uh, anyway, that match was fun. I mean, obviously, it's going to be good. I, I love what Team Taz is building right now. I like everyone involved in that. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, obviously, I'm surprised Darby's just kind of done nothing since winning the title. Like, he hasn't really spoken. He hasn't. He's just been in these couple tag matches. He got pinned. In, or no, uh, yeah, he got pinned in the one last week. Like, it's kind of weird what they're... Uh, or the lack of kind of stuff they're doing with Darby, even though he's in these big kind of things, he's, I don't know, he seems to be kind of sidelined. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, there's a lot of possibilities after after what happened in this match. But the match was fun. And uh, then uh, Cody, uh, uh, Darby, Darby got the pin, didn't he? Dude, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I know, I know, right? Uh, I think I think he did cuz I know I know he hit the coffin drop, but I couldn't remember if if like Cody was the legal man and then pinned him or Darby did. No, I, I think you're, I don't No, remember. I think that's right. No, this is what happened. Okay, I remember this now. Like Cody had the advantage in the ring. He like signals Darby, brings his man back over into the corner. Darby tags him. Cody hits a move okay. and then Darby hits the coffin drop okay. and gets I the remember pin. the coffin it drop. Cool... I just couldn't remember who got the pin. It was a cool finishing sequence, but again, yeah. it was scrubbed from my brain. Right, right, right. Me, me too. Um, okay, so that – never mind. That's good. They gave Darby the pin. Um, but after the match, of course, as always, you have the heels just attacking the baby faces, which makes sense. You know, Arn Anderson's trying to help, and he's not doing too well. Dustin comes out, but unfortunately, then Brian Cage came out, who's bigger than Dustin. And, uh, you know, Team Taz is – you know, they, they've cleared them. They, they've knocked them all out, and the heels have beaten down the baby faces. But then, the lights go out. Snow starts coming on the screen. Snow starts actually falling in the arena. Yeah, that was cool. And then all of a sudden, big letters, S-T-I-N-G, come up on the screen. And Tony Schiavone gets to say, It's Sting for the first time since 2001 on TNT. On the last episode of Monday Nitro, and the icon Sting comes out, baseball bat in hand, takes about six minutes to come down to the ring, doesn't do a thing. The heels have already left. As soon as Sting showed up, they're like, whoop, gone. Goodbye. And, yeah, that's uh, stupid. Not having any of that. And uh, he comes in, gets right in the face of Arn Anderson, goes right down. Cody's sitting in the corner, crouches down, looks at Cody, then goes over, stands right in front of Darby. Puts his hands together, goes woo, and then walks out. And Harris, it's probably the greatest six minutes in wrestling history. <laughs> I I liked it, right? Because I'm I know what Sting is, and I I knew he was a free agent. Like they took him off the WWE website a few months ago, so I know nobody's gonna believe this. But when it started to snow, I was like, I I think I know who this might be. I thought it might be Sting. I was very I was excited to see him. I was. Like, literally, I was almost more excited for you. The first thing I said, I hopped on Twitter and I was like, somebody check on Mark because this is going to be it. It's going down. And it was great. It was really, really cool. I'm happy to see him there. I, um, I'm i not going to wax poetic about this too much because I think you covered it all. It's oh, I really just got cool... started. 
Yeah. Well, I was okay. Let me put it this way: you have more to say I think, <laughs> than I do. It was it was super cool. I'm interested to see what he does next. I'm excited to see if they play off like his history with Cody Rhodes, like the Rhodes family and Arn Anderson, like how that comes into it. Yep. How he like his relationship with Darby. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I hope he doesn't wrestle. He's he almost like really, really, really damaged himself in that last match he had in WWE. I guess they know better than I do, and he knows his body better than I do, but I'm going to be terrified every time I see him wrestle. I mean, he's older than The Undertaker. Like, there's... You can't have him do much. He's enough of a presence and enough of a character. Don't trot him out there for a 10-minute match in the main event, please. AEW, be smarter than that. I don't know. Do you agree? I mean, do you disagree with that? Do you want to see him, like, really get in there and wrestle again? Because I just don't. I think I, I think they've set it up well. perfectly. I think they've set up potentially six man match perfectly. And if you're gonna, if, I, that's that's what that's what we all want to see. If if we're seeing Sting in the ring, you put him in there with Darby and Cody in a tag match where you can tag Sting in. He can come in. He can beat the crap out of the heel. He can hit the Scorpion Death Drop. Put on the Scorpion Death Lock, and that's all. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Maybe hit a Stinger Splash or two. Like that's it. You have him go in there. You hit his four or five moves and that's really all you need from him in a match like that that i think works um i agree with you a singles match a main event singles match yeah it's probably yeah you probably there's really no need for that so i I agree with that but i think there is a way you can have him wrestle it's just in a very limited role okay yeah no i can see that i mean we'll see what happens it's sad that one of my first thoughts is oh no i really hope they don't Blank, you know, haven't tried anything, but no, I agree. I think it's a really cool moment. They've done a good job so far, like using established stars in yep. ways that make sense. Like they're not trotting Arn Anderson back out there for another match, right? I think they. I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see one or two of those like cleanup spots. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's all. That's all we need, and right. you can do that, and people understand why. Yep. Nobody's going to be like, why isn't st-? you know, like we, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. You could also, I mean, you know, just have Kenny Omega kill him and kayfabe break his neck. And well, you've yeah. Got your, yeah, you could. You know, you've got your heel, but they're not going to do that. It's, no. Yeah. It was a really fun moment. I was excited to see it. I was even more excited to see you see it because that was great. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just so perfect. I listened to uh, I listened to the busted open segment from the day after where Bully Ray and uh, um. Dave LaGreca were talking about and the way Bully um, kind of broke down the whole segment was was pretty impressive. Basically, he was saying it was it was like AEW executed this to perfection because it was the uh, the changeover of the hour. That's when this happened. They did the big, long commercial break awkwardly before the match started um, or right when the match started. They went to a commercial break, which was really weird. I remember noticing that. Because it's like they didn't know what was going on and it was clunky and stuff. And then they went to commercial break for a really long time. And I was like, that's weird. Well, this is why. It's so they could do this entire thing at the beginning of the next hour. Also, like I said, he took at least four minutes to get into the ring. From, Mm -hmm. you know, the lights going out, the sting name coming up and all that. Which is brilliant because, as as I heard uh, Bully say, as soon as that name comes up, Everyone's tweeting Sting is in AEW and everyone doing anything else 
I don't care what NXT was doing at the time. Anyone watching any other wrestling or any wrestling fan who's not currently watching is turning AEW on immediately. And he took long enough to get to the ring where when you flipped over, he would still be on his way to the ring and you would still get the whole segment. Like they were very smart with with that whole set with that whole thing. And then you have him set up potentially like three different things without speaking. Yeah. Comes in, immediately goes to Arn Anderson, a lot of history with them too, and none of it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have him go straight up to Cody, who, you know, best friends, Dusty, the, all that, that massive mm-hmm. history there. Cody was yeah. always around when when Sting was was on top. And then and then you have him go over to Darby, who's base and basically that's the rub as far as that whole thing mm-hmm. goes. And now you potentially have him literally face to face with the next star of the company. Like you did all of that in like six minutes without anyone talking. Like it was amazing. It was so perfectly done. Like this segment could not have d- been done any better. Like it's one of the best uh, it's one of the best debuts I've ever seen done in wrestling. Like it was, it was just masterful work by uh, by everyone who 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 booked this segment. Those are all really great points, and I hadn't thought about it just in terms of like Wednesday Night War optics or anything. But you're absolutely right because the first thing that everyone does, including me, is hop on Twitter and say, "Yo, look at this!" Yep. And ESPN everyone- was tweeting it. Sports yeah. Center was tweet like you know IGN was tweeting it you know when has AEW ever had a, a moment like this they they haven't they did bring That's Tyson what- in but he didn't do anything so it didn't really right. resonate a whole lot this is the first massive massive like above wrestling moment that they've had in the entire history of the company it's very cool and this doesn't happen a lot it's very rare but to see people on my timeline on Twitter who aren't like, who I know they are aware of wrestling, but they aren't like us. They're not like week in and week out, we're going to tweet some things about the wrestling product. To see people who are like outside the bounds of wrestling fandom go, Sting! Yep. Is awesome. That's a really cool level of engagement. That you're right. I don't think AEW, like a moment that big, hasn't really happened for them yet. I, the There's probably other cool. biggest moment other than I guess starting maybe the starting announcement is is the Jericho signing up until this point has probably been the biggest single mm-hmm. like news getting thing from AEW. But I think this just left it that in the dust. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think staying like this is uh, correct me if you disagree, but I genuinely think like. Short of CM Punk, Sting is the only free agent they could bring out and create this much of a splash. And Sting is more valuable to them because Sting will bring in the people who were watching wrestling on TNT 20 years ago in a way that Punk wouldn't. Like everyone who knows who CM Punk is, is already watching Dynamite. Yeah. Yep. But that is the only other name I could think of that is an instant, universal, everyone switches the channel from NXT to watch this happen moment. And yeah, no, and, and you're right. I didn't even think about it, but the way they took the time to plant a seed for each one of those different people in the ring, the same way, like they, they tease Arn Anderson being frustrated with Cody when he's yeah. fighting in some of his later TNT title matches. They're not going to turn him heel right away. They're not going to do anything, but they have options now and yes. in the future. If they decide to have, Arn Anderson turn on Cody Rhodes. Guess who's going to be there and who's not going to be too happy about it? 
it's going to be staying. Like they mm-hmm. have a lot of different. They're keeping their options open to tell stories. And that is one of the best things that AEW has consistently done well is they always have stories brewing or available at all or building at all times. Like they're really, really good with that. Yeah. Even with, um, even with the women now it's getting better. Like, I don't think we talked about this yet, but there was a moment where they're interviewing, um, Sheeta. And they're like, hey, last week uh, Abaddon came out and licked your title. That was pretty weird, right? And she, like, she, you know, she, she doesn't speak English that well, which is probably why they haven't let her cut many promos yet. But she came out and she was like, I mean, yeah, it was weird, but I'm not like freaking out. Like, it, she does zombie cosplay. I can handle that. Like, she's just a yeah. wrestler. Whatever. It's not real. And I was like, okay, that's that's a point. Like, yeah. that's something. And that's probably, you know, I think that's planting for down the road whenever she does some really crazy obviously supernatural stuff she just gonna freak out because up until this point she's like yeah none of that's like real whatever you know lick my title if you want i'm still gonna beat you in the ring that's a character note that's something you can play off down the road and that's something that we haven't gotten from the women's division much yet that's a little bit of a change of pace but that's just to agree to your point that like yeah they're doing a really good job they're firing on all cylinders right now and not just Oh, tune in next week. But like, hey, in six months, that's going to be something and you're going to recognize it when it happens. That's really, really cool. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. It was amazing. Um, Highest selling shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees history in a 24 hour period. And they put that out like 15 hours into that end of the day, Um, Mm -hmm. including me. Thank you very much. A stupid Pro Wrestling Tees for that. Very, very frustrated with that. Very well played. Black Friday over. Yep. And then that. Yep. <laughs> stupid. Yeah, they're not stupid, stupid bastards. They're like, look, you're gonna, you know how many people bought like five shirts on one of their only sales of the year? And then the next week we're like, all right, got to buy more shirts. That absolutely happened. Yep. That's, Dude, I yeah, haven't that's, bought. That's I haven't business. bought. I've been so good. I haven't bought any wrestling stuff since I think March. Whenever they're, they had some sale in March, I, I got a Darby and a Cody shirt. And, uh, I was like, all right, I, I, cause I, I didn't do wrestling shirts for a while. Cause I, I have so many, but right. then AEW started. So it's like, all right, I need like some AEW shirts. I, I, I can't tell you the last time I've worn a WWE shirt. I have AJ style shirts, CM Punk shirts, and I, I feel dirty wearing any of them. I'm just like, eh, I don't, don't want to wear a WWE shirt. <laughs> so I've been just wearing my AEW shirts and my NWA shirts, but, uh, so I got a, you know, I got a handful of AEW shirts. Like, all right, I have like a logo shirt, like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Cody and Darby. Like, you know, a handful of that. I'm good. I don't need any more. And I haven't. I have not bought any more. And they had to pull this garbage. I was like, oh, <laughs> dang it. So I'm looking forward to when I get that shirt in February. Um, yeah, it's going to take them a hot and, minute to print uh, yeah. all those. That's yes, right. yes, yes. So you, you, that's the thing with Pro s ts You buy them and you forget about it because you will not get it for months. Um, that's nice though. It's a little surprise. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right, that was brilliant. Done wonderfully. Uh, couldn't have been done any better. Um, and here's, here's how good this episode was, Mark. That could have ended the show. Oh yeah. Everything we said up until this point would still be true. We'd be like, man, that was a really great episode of dynamite. That's one of the best ones I've ever done. That was awesome. I can't wait to see what they do next week. And then you have this. Wait, wait, wait. The funniest part with this. Okay. So 
I, I just usually pull up the Bleacher Report thing when I'm talking about the shows just because they easily have everything just uh, mapped out there and it's easy to navigate. Mm-hmm. There, <laughs> there was a... There was a title match. The the women's title match. Didn't that take place? Between uh Sheeta and um uh oh, so it wasn't I could have sworn there was another match in between these two, but apparently I think, not. I think you're confusing this with the pay per view that was a few weeks ago. Or an episode of Dynamite. No, it, and it might have been last and week's episode. Last I could have sworn there was another Jay match. had a title match. I yeah, I I remember about. that. But I could have sworn they had some other match in between these, in between this and then the main event. No, dude, I think this Man, is it. I... It's so weird. I could have sworn there was, but yeah, apparently not. But anyway, then we have the main event. AEW title match, John Moxley, Kenny Omega. Big anticipated thing. Uh, see, I went into this match perfectly. Um, I feel like a lot of people didn't. And maybe they were disappointed, maybe they weren't. But I went into this match expecting... Pretty, not not the ending, but but expecting pretty much what we got. I was like, look, this match was booked two weeks ago after the pay-per-view and Kenny Omega beat Hangman. It's arguably one of the most anticipated matchups and they literally are putting it on a dynamite two weeks later with very little build-up, the time in between. It's like, there's no way this is going to be the big John Moxley-Kenny Omega match that we all know can happen and want to happen. It's not like it's just it's not going to be that. Hopefully it's a really good match. I'm sure with these two guys it will be, but it's not going to be what a lot of people were building this match to be coming into it. Like I knew that I was like, there's no way it's going to be that. And uh, and the match was, you know, I, I enjoyed the match for the most part. I thought some stuff was dumb. I was really happy. Jr. called out the stupidity of wrestling outside the ring for six straight minutes with no counts whatsoever. I was really happy you did that. Because it, it made absolutely no sense. Um, it's like, that's dumb. But uh, but no, the, the match was good for the most part. I started to get worried, Harris. At the end, I started to get a little worried. And I'll tell you what really started to worry me was when Moxley hit his finish and didn't pin him. I was like, oh no. It's like, oh no, this is some garbage wrestling right here. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And, uh... I still think it was kind of dumb, but ultimately, too many other amazing things happened where it didn't, I didn't care, D- didn't care anymore, and um, and the fact that he lost made that better too, because it's like, okay, yeah, you should have pinned him there, and uh, and you didn't, so that, it works, it works a little bit better, but in the moment, I was like, oh no, that's, that's, that's some dumb wrestling booking right there, especially for someone like Moxley, where this title is supposed to mean a lot. Um, so that was kind of frustrating, but, um, I liked, uh, you know, they had Don Callis there on commentary and I was like, okay, you know, that makes sense. He's pretty much been there for all of them. They bring him in to those new Japan matches. Um, you know, he's basically the kind of de facto Kenny commentator and, um, but yeah, no Harris, the, the, the finish could have been a little bit too much. It, it, it could have gone wrong very easily with the way it was kind of happening and I, I think they, I think they nailed it. I think they nailed it. You have Don Callis coming out there because Kenny's, you know, thrown into that heater that they had on the outside because winter actually did come and it was like forty degrees out there in Florida, which was absolutely hilarious. 
Yeah, I wondered about that. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I think, funnily enough, that the was so funny. snow in Sting's special entrance made me start thinking about it. I was like, wait, they are outside. Like, yeah. I know it's not freezing. It's in Jacksonville, but like, it's got to be No, chilling. it was. It, it, Does that it, impact how they – so I like that they, they did that thing where I ask a question and they immediately answer it. But yeah. showing me the heater in the next match. And I'm like, okay, that's what I thought. That no, at the, but earlier in the day, Cody had tweeted out and he's like, man, we jinxed ourselves. It's like 40 degrees out here today. We keep promoting winter is coming and then here it is, that's which funny. is that that was very funny. But uh, yeah, so he does that. Omega's down. You have the whole, you know, all the refs. Oh, he's hurt and that whole thing, which eh, is what it is within wrestling nowadays. We've just seen it so many times. And um. And then you have Don Callis coming over there worried about his friend. And then uh, Moxley just to perfection is like, forget this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm beating this guy. <laughs> just throws him in the ring. And, um, you know, and then he's, he's going to beat him then. But then Callis comes over with a mic and, and says, you know, let him go. He's hurt. It's my friend. And then he goes over Dex Callis microphones in the ring. Can he just wails him with the microphone, which is always a great weapon because it's, you can have it turned on. So it makes a loud Boom, noise. Yep. yep. And uh, Moxley does the blade job, busted open. Kenny hits probably the most brutal uh, V-triggers I've ever seen. And knowing Moxley, there's a good chance these are real, and he actually is kneeing the crap off of Zed. Like, just because it's Moxley, it looked like it, and there's a very, very real possibility that those could have been. And then, of course, hit the one-winged angel, and and it's, it's over. And then... Just gets up, grabs the belt, him and Callus walk out, Tony Khan screaming at him, all the other wrestlers screaming at him, goes to get in the in the uh, SUV, Marvez comes over, is like, what's going on? Callus, tune into Impact. Gone. Yes. Thank you very much. That is how you end a wrestling show. You can't do it any better than that. Yeah, I was real into that. So here's I I was I came into this match kind of in the same boat as you. I think we talked about this. We're like, all right, look. This could be like a 60-minute classic if they wanted it to be. The fact that they're booking it this way implies that it probably will not be. Right. So we're prepared for some sort of non-finish. Right. But they they did a, there were a lot of great like really subtle threads in here that I think are really satisfying. Like they do that thing where they came out in like a few minutes into the match, they're like, "Yeah, look, this is for this is a 60-minute time limit match. If we go over like Tony Khan cleared it with the network. We'll go over. We're going to get yeah, that was 60 smart. minutes here. That, that was smart. Takes. That was a really great touch because I'm immediately like, oh, yeah, Chekhov's gun. We're going to like put on a clinic and go yeah. till like 1030. Like they faked me out there, which was really, really well done. Yeah. The match itself, they were done and dusted off the air by 10 o'clock yep. on the dot. Like yeah, they, they did were. it perfectly. So you have that going on. Like that little element of realism that took me off guard a little bit and just helps make everything a lot more interesting. Because, you know, if they start a main event on Raw at like 9.57, you kind of know what's going to happen. Maybe yeah. <laughs> they'll go over a little bit, but you kind of know what's going to happen. And AEW's done right. that too, but I like for a match this big, on a show this big, they establish that ground rule. Well, also, the match started like 35 minutes till the end of the show too, or 40 yeah. minutes till the end of the show or something yeah. like that. So Exactly. So it was very plausible that they yeah. would, you know, they gave it time within the window, but it was also very plausible that it would go over, and that was super interesting. Yeah. I thought the story was, I mean, the general story was very good, which is basically just you know, Moxley couldn't put him away. Because yeah. he tried a lot, he tried a lot of different stuff, and he couldn't 
muster up the offense to put him away. But at the same time, because he's a good babyface champion, when he's got him laid out at ringside, and you can accept a count out at that point. Like if you look at the ref and you're like, uh, hey, he's done, right? Like let's count to 10. He's yep. not coming back in in 10 seconds. If you win by count out, you're still the champ. Well, they didn't count one time in this whole match. So I like to look at it as he's like, well, this ref didn't count and we were outside for six minutes. So he's probably not going to count here. I better go get oh, him no, now. <laughs> see, I like to look at like if, you know, if he gets back in the ring and like looks at the ref and the ref counts, he's still the champion. But he doesn't want to do right, that. He wants right. to prove that he can beat this guy. And I didn't love – and this is where like I, it's it almost lost me. I didn't love that Omega has to cheat to win because you know me. I like this character when he's just that dang good, and he's one of the few people on the planet that they can just book honestly as he's just a better wrestler than everyone, and it works, and it feels earned. When Don Callis came down to ringside, I genuinely thought, oh, they're going to have him throw in the towel. Omega's pissed. That's his excuse for one more title shot, and that's when he wins. And I would have been happy with that. Like, that's a good tune-in-next-time sort of ending. And I didn't know all their shared history. I didn't know who this guy was, so I was like, okay, that kind of They announced sense. it before the match. He, they were no, like, here's I know, Don like, Callis. I knew and... he was there, but I wasn't, like, I didn't know their history. I didn't know this is something that happens for a lot of Kenny Omega matches. I didn't know any of that. Oh. I knew who he was, and I knew he was there. I was just like, that's a little random. So the fact that they probably brought him here to create this non-finish and give us an excuse to do it again at the next pay-per-view makes sense, whatever. And then Omega bonks him with the microphone, which is a very satisfying spot. But I was like, oh, okay, like that's a little yeah, – okay, okay. Hits him with like seven V-triggers, one oh, wing angel, which is brutal. great. Put all of those moves over, put that offense over. I dig it. And then they steal the title and they run, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's good. I wasn't mad, but I was like, okay, the heel said he wasn't going to cheat to win, and then he cheated to win, and now he's running away with the title. Like that's Also, Omega at this point hasn't been a full-fledged heel yet. Like, he, he's, no, been, he's basically, kinda, he's been, you know, he, he kind of has been, but he, he's been towing that line until well, now. Well, right, but from the moment he bonks him. Oh, sure, sure, right? sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, yeah. so that's what we've done here is, okay, the... the Wrestler turned heel, cheated to win, won the title, is fleeing the scene. And then you've got, like, I think it was JR, it was probably Tony too, multiple people going like, it's a screw job, this is a screw job! And I was, I'm watching this, you know, at 9.59, and I'm like, okay, it's not, right? (laughs) The heel cheated to win a match and has won the match. This happens literally, like, once a week on every episode of your program. Like, I don't yeah. know why you're this offended. that. Well, this it hasn't shot. happened with their title yet. Right, but still, you're like, okay, like, let's calm. Like, the heel won with nefarious tactics. Sure. Like, everybody chill out, whatever. And then he gets in the car and says, tune in on Tuesday. And I said, no. And he said, that's right impact wrestling and then they peel off and i was back in i was like yes they did it if you're going to again i don't love having kenny omega have to bonk somebody with a microphone to win a match even if you put over his finisher afterwards too like that was cool i still don't love him having to do that but if you're gonna do it and you're gonna run the oh it's a screw job angle you better do it with an actual real life different company right and cross-promote a little bit, and that's exactly what they did. No, yep. it's sick. Yep. I'm into it. From what I've read, I don't know if this is a spoiler for you or not, it, it sounds like it's going to be more of a one-off 
and a working relationship than like an actual invasion angle that will run. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be an invasion. That. There's no Does way. Doesn't matter. That's a really cool way to establish that they're connected. I'm going to try to watch Impact for the first time in my life. So well done. Yeah, you I know, haven't watched Impact it. since pff, 2014, maybe. So yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And you've established. S- like, speaking of Impact. Foreshadowing for the ooh, show. Ooh, ooh, we did it again. We're so good at this. Mark. We are. We are. And wrestling is better when these companies can work together, right? Especially yes, when they're yes. all the alternative products that aren't the, you know, empire of wrestling that is WWE. Like, yep. Yeah, this is better for everybody. Have yeah, them. this is this is perfect. I, I they mean, can share I'm telling talent you, the exact way they've been doing with the NWA up until this point. Like, yes, great. It's Perfect. it's old school, Harris. We're going back to the '80s yeah, when the National Wrestling Alliance was formed, which basically was that. It was all of the you know the local promotions, all right. the regional exactly. promotions that gathered together, and and they were you know to put on these big shows, and you know they had the one champion who would travel around to all the other territories and defend the title. Like that's that's the way it was. And so AEW is bringing that back because that was killed when Vince bought everyone like that. That died. That died in the 90s. Then you just had Crockett Promotions, which then was bought by Ted Turner and became WCW and then WWF. That's all it was then. And uh, and we're finally taking pro wrestling back like pro wrestling is being taken back. And AEW is is the ones who are doing it. They're 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 building it all back. They're working with NWA. They're now working with Impact. I know there's been talks about them potentially working out a deal with New Japan. It hasn't happened yet, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that happening moving forward. And um, and it's it's great. It's great. They're they're all they're going to help each other. It's going to help build wrestling back up. And who knows what it's going to lead to? But um, another thing, I also want to shout out again. This uh, the, the busted open uh podcast. I know it's a radio show, but I listen to podcast one is is really good for big moments like this. Because they also talked about this, because a lot of people were wondering, well, what in the world would AEW get from from Impact? Like, how does that help AEW? It obviously helps Impact, but, uh, you know, nobody really watches Impact. It's really hard to find. It's not on a lot of stations. You know, how does that help them? And uh, they, they, they had the answer, and it was the women's division. The, the knockouts division mm. is one of the best in wrestling and has been for several years that's been kind of the one thing that's kind of been pushing impact for a while you know with uh with Tessa Blanchard and that's where that's where there could be a big benefit with uh with AEW we already saw them do it with NWA bringing in some of their women they brought in Serena brought in Allison K obviously Thunder Rosa and so that that could potentially be their benefit in that which is that's I thought great, was I thought was an interesting point that's a great point here's the other thing I'll say and I I think I'm about done with this and we can move on to the actual topic after this if you want the other great thing i heard this was on the masked man show podcast this is a david shoemaker a wrestling writer i really like but uh just to say this is not original to me but they were talking about the same thing and that has been you know the question what does aew gain from this because they're already a bigger company than impact and his point was they gained the ability to do this angle to tell this us versus them story that you can't really do in a wrestling company by itself like this like this brand warfare only exists if the brands are actually different oh yeah that's a good point with retribution in wwe right now i know you haven't been watching that but it doesn't work because these guys come in and they're like we're we're here to be anarchists and we're gonna wreck your show and you're like 
Dude, I remember, like, you were in NXT two weeks ago. I saw you. I know you work for these people, and it doesn't work. Yeah. You have to have this actual different company to tell this you story. You know, the only time it's ever AEW worked, the only time it has ever worked in any wrestling was the NWO in WCW. That right. was the only been, time it's ever worked, and it does and not work. WWE has that. been trying to do that since then because Vince has never done something that was that successful as far as faction, like that type of thing. He's never been able to do that, and he has been trying for the past 30 years, and it fails <laughs> well, every is, I time. Mean, I mean, I wasn't watching them, but from what I've heard, a lot of people think the Nexus was close and could have been that. Except Nexus the Nexus was fine. It was, which, it was well, fine. Well, here's the difference. The NWO was booked to go over everyone. Yeah. Eventually to their detriment. The Nexus was yep. booked to go over no one. And that's nope. part of the difference. But you can't buy like the more modern fans get, the harder it is to buy that suspension of disbelief. And the best yeah. way to get that is just to bypass it entirely and have your actual champion show up on another company. Yep. And yeah, like you said, I, I'm pretty sure I don't know what Axis is or how it works. It's a channel, but there's it's not a very some big horrific, channel. But there's the good news is – it's on. It streams on Twitch apparently. Oh, so cool. I've never. I, I'll have some, to figure out how to use Twitch. <laughs> here's the thing, Mark. There's going to be some horrific technical glitch, and it'll crash for like three quarters of the show, and it'll eh. be just the most TNA thing in history. There might. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Hopefully not, but it's it's possible. Uh, it's we'll good see. though. It's we'll good. See. Good show. Good work, everyone. It was. It was great. I I enjoyed it. It was. It was wonderful. Sting's back. Who cares? And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is nice. This is nice. AEW continues to kill it and it's, it's awesome. Wrestling's great, Harris. It's so refreshing to have wrestling be amazing, not having to worry about the garbage that WWE likes to do. It's just really nice as a wrestling fan. All right. So that was much longer than we normally talk, but I think we were fair because it was a big enough event. Um, all right. So that was AEW. Now it's time to actually talk about the topic because we can actually talk about a topic this time. I have a topic prepared. We've already foreshadowed it a little bit. We are going to the crazy and weird world of total nonstop action wrestling back in the year 2007. Is this the second or third TNA episode we've ever done. I think it's the third. We've right? done at first. least two others. Um, I know Joker's thing and then um, Abyss. Uh, yeah, we've done those two. We've... Oh, no, we did um, the chick. AJ Styles, this baby's yeah. coming. Yeah, 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 with uh, the Claire Lynch one, yeah. Claire so we've Lynch, done, that's her We've name. done at least three, and then I think we might have mentioned them in some of our other like weird match stuff. I think it, they might have come up. But I think we've done three full-on TNA Wait, topics. Okay, last one: uh, Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett and his kids. Yep, that one. yep. That's the there we one. go. There's another one. Yep. I knew. I knew we had more than that. So we've done a few of them. Now the other good thing, Harris, we are in the month of December, aka the month of Christmas, and mm -hmm. so we are doing, or at least I'm going to try, Christmas topics for this month, and we're starting today with a Christmas topic. Now, Harris, I remember last year we did this. We did uh, like four or five Christmas shows for the month of December. And um, I had a whole list of, of things. And this was one of the one. I think this was the only one on my list that I didn't get to last year. So we're getting to it 
today, and I am super excited about this. For this for this show, we are going to be looking at an entire episode of TNA Impact. Okay, all it right. It is Sweet. a Christmas episode. It aired December twentieth, two thousand and seven. Now TNA decided to go full out for Christmas for this episode, but that wasn't even good enough because they are also going full hardcore for Christmas with basically all these matches being full of violence, no rules and pain. What better way to get into the holiday spirit? I can't think of a better one than mayhem and pain. <laughs> so we're going to start the show with, uh, of course the TNA Christmas party. Cause can we have a Christmas episode of wrestling without a Christmas party going on? No, we can't. We have a living room. It looks like a living room set with a tr- big tree and Jeremy Borash is the first one that we see, the uh, kind of the in-ring interviewer. And uh, we also have Eric Young, who at this time, when Eric Young first came into TNA, he was playing a, I guess you could say, a mentally slow character at oh, this time. Geez. Like okay. a very, not not Eugene level, but like just kind of an idiot. Like, like really hyper, really excitable, but very, very dumb at the same time. So, of course... You know, he's super excited about Christmas and Santa, and he goes around introducing all of his friends that are there. Well, we have these two fat slobs that are eating on the couch and making a mess. I'm not sure if they're wrestlers in the company or not. I don't recognize them. Um, There's also a girl with a ring-tailed lemur, and they keep calling it a monkey, like, multiple times. I'm like, that that's a lemur, but it's a monkey to TNA. And um, so then the doorbell rings. And one of the bushwhackers shows up. So that's always fun. And apparently he's EY's uncle. Uh, uncle. So that, that of course, makes sense too. Because that's basically the way EY is. Um, and Harris, don't don't worry. Because we are going to revisit this party many more times as we go Excellent. throughout the show. Good. Perfect. So Mad Morgan comes out first. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Mad Morgan, but he had a pretty good run in TNA for a while. But uh, he's in charge because Jim Cornette, who is the the showrunner of TNA on screen at the time, he's out of town for some reason, which is never explained. So Matt Morgan is the kind of in charge for the show. So he comes out, introduces the show, blah, blah, blah. Now, the first match, Harris, it's a Christmas Chaos Cage match. Okay. Now, okay. just I'm going to ask you this for each match. What do you think this means? What do you think I this think match is? This is I like this game. I think this is just... So WWE likes to do this thing every year that they call a miracle on 34th street fight, mm-hmm. which is just a street fight with like different Christmas themed weapons. Right. It's absolutely dumb as dirt, but I'm a big fan of it just because the name is very funny. And any Christmas show is just for kicks and giggles. Anyway, I'm going to guess this is a cage match with like trees and presents scattered inside that they used to wail on each other. Candy okay. canes, things like that. You're getting a little ahead of yourself, but but that's oh, not okay. a bad guess. Okay. Now, what it is, it's an eight-man tag team cage match where the okay. cage is covered in Christmas lights. Oh, that's excellent. Yep. That's really good. Wow, I love yep. that. So that's that's it. That's the only thing. Just the that's cage perfect. is covered in Christmas lights. Uh, so the first team comes out. It's the rock and the uh, rock and roll infection or rock and rate. No, it's the rock and rave infection. Sorry, my phone auto corrected rave to race, and I was like, it's not race. So what was it? It's rave. It's the rock and rave infection. 
It's Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Rave, and they have Christy Hemi with them. And uh, Hemi and, Ho- and uh, Lance Hoyt are apparently an item. Their other partner is James Storm, and uh, Storm comes out with uh, a Santa beard and a beer, of course. And um, he has Miss Jackie with him in a Santa outfit. And then the final member of the team is Robert Rude with Miss Brooks. And now this is going to foreshadow an amazing tag team of uh, James Storm and uh, Robert Rude as Beer Money, which would yeah. start the next year. And they would have a massive run as one of the greatest tag teams ever come out of TNA. Uh, so their opponents are the original LAX, which was Homicide and Hernandez. And their partner is a, uh, well, it's a behind the gorilla hall of famer, Harris, the one and only Scott Steiner. Yes. And also Booker T with, uh, with Charmel. So that's the other team of four. And this is like Booker T's brand new to TNA. Like he just made his debut, I think maybe like a month or two ago. So he's still fresh in the company. Now it's a six sides of steel match. Uh, and the cage covered in Christmas lights, but they left the hard camera side free of the lights so we can actually see, which which was a nice touch. So that was that was yeah, smart, smart thinking. Um, now, so, this is the part that baffled me, Harris. Somehow, this is an actual tag match. Like, one person is in the ring, and the others are squished in between the cage and the ropes. I don't know well, if I've ever seen this before. That doesn't sound like Christmas chaos to me. <laughs> it doesn't at all. It's a very weird look. And what's the point of, like, what's the point of the cage? Like, and also, aren't cage matches no DQs? And if that is the case, why would you bother following the tag rules? Just jump in the ring? But they do. They they follow the tag rules, and only two wrestlers are in at a time. And we see people thrown into the cage a bunch, of course. And there's one weird one where Homicide gets thrown into the cage, and he, like, grabs the cage almost like he's going to climb it. And like holds it for a second and then like falls. You're like, I don't I don't know what he was doing there. But uh LAX and Booker T and Scott Steiner are the baby faces, which I didn't realize till like halfway through this match because <laughs> I thought of LAX as the the heels and Scott Steiner as the heel basically at all times. So I didn't even realize that. And I was like, wait a minute, these other guys are the heels. So that was kind of confusing. Um Booker T finally gets in and he kind of goes to town. Um, he goes for the pin, but then all three of the, you know, opponents come in and break it up. And, and then I think this apparently smartened everybody up to the fact that they don't have to wait. And so now everyone is just fighting at this point. And it's like, okay, it's about time. Cause there's no yeah, rules. The ref good. can't do anything. Booker yeah. T then pretty much immediately hits the bookend on Jimmy rave and gets the pin in the middle of all the chaos going. So there was chaos at one point okay. in the match. Now here's how long would you say this match lasted? I, I, 11 minutes. And no, five minutes. Ah, great. Okay. Five minutes. So we're off to a rip roaring start right here. Um, so now we got to go back to the party. EY is super excited about Santa. So every time the doorbell rings, he raises his arms and yells, Santa! Each time. Yeah. So it, it had very, uh, very, uh, John Cena vibes from that. It made me laugh just thinking about that. But, uh, but this time it's not Santa. It's, it's Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. And this is also before they're called the beautiful, uh, the beautiful people. They, they, I think they just started teaming together, but they're here to, uh, well, they're here to, uh, service the guests, Harris. Um, but then Angelina quickly specifies the hot ones. So they're not total. Anyway, that's, um, that that's makes a lot of sense. And EY though, 
because he's dumb, he says that he's the host, so he's supposed to service the guests. Now, Harris, instead of just ending this horribly unfunny joke now, now Velvet Sty, she uh, she stoops, she um, swoops in and corrects him, saying they mean they're going to give them some holiday cheer, and she adds in a hip twirl for emphasis. Um, Eric Young is still dumb. He takes it to mean milk and cookies, so he sends them to the fat slobs, of course, because this is funny, Harris. You know, it's it's funny. Sexual yeah, jokes no, are funny. It's subtle, too. Don't forget subtle. It is. It's very subtle. It's very clever. I think that's the word for it. It's clever. Uh, then, uh, of course, ODB shows up, tr- trashy as always, and just goes straight to the bar. So some things just, just work. Then Awesome Kong shows up and kind of scares everybody because she's terrifying, and she's just kind of unimpressed with everybody. So that's the end of that party segment. Um, all right, next next we have Team 3D and Johnny Devine. They come to the ring dressed as uh, two Santa Clauses and an elf, of, of course. Okay, and, uh, okay. Brother Ray, well, he cuts a, kind of a Santa promo dressed as Santa, and he, he said he's going to bring out Black Machismo Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine <laughs> Guns, who they've been feuding with for the tag titles. And uh, he's going to apologize to all the stuff that he's been doing to them. So, you know, we hear the music, and, and who comes out, Harris? Who comes out? Dude, I don't know. I, don't, yeah, that, I would have expected the teams he just called out. Nope. Like well, people. that's right. Little people dressed as them. Oh, dear. Yeah, no, I should have seen that coming. You're right. So, uh, Brother Way, of course, sit, he sits on the Santa throne that's in the ring, uh-huh. brings little Chris Saban on his lap, yep. And asks yep. him what he likes for Christmas. And yep. he whispers in Brother Ray's ear. And then Brother Ray goes, no, you'll shoot your eye out. And throws him across the ring. I was going to say, if this doesn't end with a man dressed like Santa beating up some little people, I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, you will not be disappointed. Um, So next up is little Alex Shelley. He he comes up and he asks for a computer. And Brother Ray says, a computer? What? So you, you'll just use it to put yourself over on MySpace. And then throws him across the ring. Very timely. Uh, so social media of not just putting yourself over, though? True, true, nothing. Uh, so then it's little Jay Lethal, and he sits on his lap, and he whispers in uh, Brother Ray's ear, and, and he says that, he goes, what, you want to spend the night with SoCal Val, who is like the one of the hosts of um, Impact for a long time? And he's like, oh, okay, so... He hands him a $5 bill and says oh. to make sure he brings back the change. Wow. Yeah. Now I, that's here's the thing. Also inappropriate, also sexual. That's a lot more clever than whatever they were just doing in the other room. It is. Not I will that give him okay that. Or good. I, I will that's, give him that. That's pretty good. That giving him the 5 is a nice little payoff there. Yeah, a payoff, huh? Um and uh, he then, you know, he then throws him across the ring, too. And then Brother Devon comes over, and he uh, he's like, wait, what about me? What about my present? And Ray goes, oh, no, I got you a copy of Scarface. Say hello to my little friends. <laughs> <sighs> That's when I hit my head on my uh, desk. Yeah. 
It was was that's then. probably when you know you're like, oh yeah, this is an episode. If it's you're like, just oh, watching no. for the first time. Oh no, that okay. I I'm I, I do apologize. I should have mentioned this before. This episode is for one specific match, and then I realized what the show was about. So <laughs> we're we're yeah. Anyway, we're we're getting there. Yeah, so that's just great. So now for some reason all the little people are mad, even though they were dressed up as their opponents and came out. Like, what did they think was going to happen? But now they're mad, and, like, one of them slaps Brother Ray in the face. So that doesn't go well. And they, they get beat up. And, of course, as soon as they start getting beat up, here come the real guys, and they, they fight them off. You know, Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal, and they say they're ready to wrestle their match right now. I love that because that means backstage they were like, wait, those th- that's not us. Those are three little people dressed up like us. And somebody else said, wait, 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 wait. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> right. And watched him beat up all three of them, like let it play out slowly, let him get all his bits in. And then they were like, enough's enough. Yeah. That's great. So Harris, now here we go. How long do you would you say that this segment was? Eight minutes. Six minutes long. Longer than the cage match, Harris. Boy, we're we're flying through this, aren't we? <sighs> yeah. We must be I saving guess. room for something really special at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So now it's time for their tag match. Now, Harris, this is, this is the name of this match. The Double North Pole Match. Now, what is this match, Harris? Well, it's got to be like two poles, right? Like a pole match with two poles, but I can't for the life of me think of what would be on it. All right. So you're right. It, there's two poles. They're, of course, wrapped like candy canes, and they, yeah, have, they have stockings hanging from them. That makes sense. One of them is labeled Ultimate X Match, and the other one is labeled Plate Glass Tables Match. Oh, man. Now, th- this is apparently the stipulation. Whichever one is grabbed... That will be the next tag team title match b- between uh, Team 3D and the Motor City Machine Guns. So they put uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, um, they put their team behind the tables pole and then 3D behind the Ultimate X uh, okay. pole. Because obviously okay. 3D is going to want the tables and right. the Motor City Machine Guns are going to want the Ultimate X match. So okay. it's actually not a bad idea. For something as d- for as dumb of a stipulation as this is, this at least makes some sort of sense. And this is yep. the both beginning and the end of anything in this show making some sort of sense. <laughs> so I, I have to pause and give it credit. No, that's fair. I was about to point out, like, that makes a shocking amount of sense. Um, is that is that the best polls match we've ever encountered on this show? Like the one that makes the uh, most sense and is set up logically and isn't stupid. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, it, oh, it's Bagwell's, still stupid, but Buff Bagwell's mom on a forklift. If you count that as a pole match, was more entertaining. <laughs> the the coal miner's glove was it was really entertaining too, just because of the train wreck that it was. Yeah, I but, think uh, this is, might be the most thought through pole match I've ever heard. Of. I, I think you're. I think you might be right. I, I think you might be right. Um, so also Harris, the, the little people are just outside the ring the whole time cheering on the Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal, who they just were impersonating, making mm-hmm. fun of a few minutes ago. So sure. Um, at one point, uh, Ray and Devon are going to go for the, for the headbutt to the balls. But of course, Shelly throws off Devon 
And uh, Lethal then grabs Ray's legs. And who do you think climbs to the top rope? It's got to be one of the little people. That's right. right. One of the little people who jumps off and headbutts Ray in the balls. Because that's funny, Harris. It's really that's funny. Planting and payoff. Storytelling 101. Yep. Uh, in the end, uh, Alex Shelley is able to grab the Ultimate X uh, stocking. So at the next pay-per-view, the tag titles will be in an Ultimate X match. Um, so yay. Uh, all right, back to the party, Harris, and everyone is having a great time. They're all singing carols, um, but then Awesome Kong kind of- Wait, kinda... wait, wait, are they actual carols, or are they, like, wrestling- No, 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 they're carols. actual carols. They're, they're, oh, they're singing, man. yeah. And, um, but then Awesome Kong kind of gets frustrated with, with the fat slobs, so she starts beating them up, but, uh, then the doorbell rings again, and who comes in next, Harris? Nah, you'll never guess. Kevin Nash! I would not have guessed that. I was going to guess Sting, which would have been funny for its own reasons. But Surprisingly enough, he doesn't make an appearance on this show, which is kind of <sighs> weird. But I'm not sure why he's not on the show. But uh, no, it's Kevin Nash. So, of course, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky just immediately go to Kevin Nash because, you know, he's big sexy. And uh, they, they, offer, they offer to service him. And um, ODB just yells over from the bar, sluts! And... Uh, <laughs> And they take exception, so they all start fighting, spilling punch all over them and everything, of course. Then we fade to black, and you're like, okay, commercial break, we're done with this segment. No, 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 we fade back in, and we're still at the party, and they're all cleaning up everything. You're like, that's weird. And then the TNA champ, Kurt Angle himself, shows up with Karen, because this is (laughs) pre-Karen Jarrett. (laughs) Great. So it's it's kind of it's kind of funny watching in hindsight. Um, does he at least have milk and cookies? Because he's Kurt Angle. Uh, no, no, what that that doesn't happen. Oh, but um, I forgot you said the pole match was the only other thing that made sense on this show. <laughs> right. So, uh, Angle's very unimpressed with all of this. He's he's unimpressed with with Eric Young. And he's, he really doesn't understand him believing in Santa. So, so he takes him over to the side and he says, you know, Santa doesn't exist, you know, because he's a heel. EY though oh, doesn't oh, buy it. I thought you, I thought this was still Kurt Angle saying, Hey, Eric, you know, Santa's a heel, right? I'm oh. going to be like, Whoa. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Yeah, that would be funny, but no. Got it. And he's like, no, he's made up. He's made up, you know, like Shrek or Spider-Man. Like, he's not a real... Well, EY doesn't buy it and gets the wrong idea. And he's like, oh, you mean Shrek is Santa Claus? And and Spider-Man helps him? So that's yep. that's just... And e, at this point, Kurt just goes, where are the drinks? <laughs> and then just, just gets sent over there. So that that was kind of funny. Um, so anyway, so now we go to the next match. Now, this is the very progressive match on the show, Harris. This is the Santa's Workshop Knockout Street Fight match. Now, what do you think happens in this match? Um, Just remember, you already mentioned basically this match earlier. Oh, is this the one with all the different like Christmas stuff for them to use in their street fight? Similar, but worse. So, literally, all it is, is there's a box of toys in the ring like a big box that says toys that's it that is the only thing um so uh, there's nine women in this match 
Um, ODB is the first one. The others are Roxy Lavore, uh, Jackie, Christy Hemi, Tracy Brooks, Gail Kim, who's the champion, Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, and then Awesome Kong. Now, Harris, most of these women were just at EY's Christmas party. That, if you look at this set, it presumably is at his house. But yet, <laughs> but yet here they are. So, all right. Yeah, um, sure. No, why not? Yeah, now no rules are given, but I assume it's just a free-for-all match with the box of toys that are in the ring, which that yep. tends to be what happens. So that's what I assume. Gail Kim comes out last. She's the champ. And uh, she just immediately runs in, runs in and attacks Awesome Kong because they're in the middle of a feud. And so they leave the ring and they end up just backstage fighting and just out of the match. Uh, so great. Your two interesting things are just gone from this match. So thank you very much for this booking, TNA. Uh, the, the toy box is immediately just dumped out and then o ODB stuffs Angelina Love into it. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. And then the toy box is actually used Harris more as a weapon than any actual items that came out of it. I don't think a, I saw a single item used other than the box. So that's kind of sad, too. Um, but then all of a sudden, Awesome Kong comes out from backstage without Gail Kim. So now it's like, oh no, what happened to Gail? And she just comes in, ob immediately obliterates everyone else and wins. Now, Harris, again, I'll get, I'll let you guess. Which one I, was longer? The match or the entrances? Oh, it's, dude, I was going to say, this is like a two-minute match. This has shorter than the entrances written all over it. Oh, yes. The entrances were five minutes and 30 seconds. The match was three minutes and 55 seconds. Yep. yep. Um, Listen, women's wrestling in, what was this, 2007? Yeah. That was pretty universal. To be fair, it wasn't much shorter than the cage match. So, uh, and then after the match, though, we did get a pretty cool spot where um, Gail Kim kind of comes back out, kind of limping, but with a chair, and just whacks the crap out of Awesome Kong, including just hits her straight in the face. So that was kind of cool. But Awesome Kong kind of no-sells it. I mean, she goes down, but then she's able to get back up and keep fighting because she's just that big of a beast. And so security has to come over and break them up. So it's actually pretty good. Like, the ending is pretty awesome, actually. It's like, okay, because like they're wrestling at the next pay-per-view for the title. So it's it's pretty good as far as setting up for that. So I'll give them credit for that. That's probably the last. No, there, there's a couple other things I'll give them credit for in this show. But that that's one of them. For as dumb as all this was, it at least did a pretty good job of setting up the women's title match. Um, all right, party time again. Matt Morgan is now there. Um, and EY is still just going on and on about Santa, and the next person that shows up is Chris Harris. Now, he's upset that there's no music and no women, and EY has to explain to them <laughs> that they just teleported away for their match. So yeah. that's why they're not there anymore. Um, it's fair. He th then Chris Harris goes over to the tree and asks where his present is, because it's his birthday on Christmas, even though it's December 20th. And, um, and EY comments that, you know, someone else's birth has a birthday on Christmas, JC. And and Harris Harris apparently he takes that to mean Jim Cornette. So that was kind of funny. And and EY actually gets to be the smart one in an exchange uh for for a change. So that that's kind of funny. Um and then uh the little guys show up from earlier. They show up with Motor City Machine Guns and uh Jay Lethal. Oh, who's just going by the name Black Machismo at this point? Because right. this is just the straight up Macho Man awesomeness. Right, right. And um, then Sanjay Dutt shows up for some reason with his tambourine, and 
I don't really know why he's there. And SoCal Val shows up and she brought mistletoe and she holds it out and Black Machismo starts getting all excited. But then as he goes in for a kiss, Sanjay Duck comes in and steals it. And that's the end of the segment. I'm not really sure what the point of any of this was, but okay. Uh, Samoa Joe arrives at the building and he's interviewed next and he just hates everybody in TNA. He's, he's being mean to Crystal who's interviewing him and he's mad about the Christmas party happening says that money should have been spent on his contract and, and the time <laughs> the time spent over at that party should be with him wreaking violence in wrestling matches. Um, this feels like a classic Christmas special setup where at the end we find out he was just angry that he didn't get invited and like his heart grows three sizes and he learns the true meaning of Christmas. I'm not expecting Paris, that to happen, but if look, it does, this will be the greatest episode of wrestling. No, see, this is the problem. You're that that's too good. Like you can't you can't think that way. So Crystal then says he asks where Matt Morgan is, and she says that well Morgan's at the party. Well, Joe gets real mad and kind of starts threatening her, and he says he's gonna go and make sure it's one that he never forgets. So Ooh. now here's. This is the moment we've really been waiting for. This is the whole reason that this topic is being talked about. It's time for the Silent Night Deadly Night match. Now, Harris, there's not a lot to go on, but just give it a shot. What's this match going to be? I feel like we've used all the Christmas stipulations I can think of. Oh no. I can't think of it. Well, I mean, you've you've mentioned some of it already. You're you you've been on the right track. Okay. Okay. Dude, I, I, I don't know though. I short of the street fight, like that's the only one I can think of. I mean To be fair, I don't know. It's basically know. a street fight. But um Alright, so th- <laughs> That's a great it's a great name though. It is. This is uh so first we start off though. We start off with a package that's recap recapping Abyss and his backstory of his mother shooting his father, and this is all being narrated by James Mitchell. Now, way back at the beginning of season two of the show, we, we did a whole episode on Abyss and his crazy career. And we talked about James Mitchell. Um, and so this is uh so this is kind of after all that's been taking place and Abyss has turned on him. And now Mitchell's trying to get back at him. There's also uh, that the big secret that Abyss has that Mitchell is threatening to expose. And and there's Judas Messias that has also returned. Like we, we've, we've mentioned all that stuff before in, in that previous episode. So all that's going on. However, I didn't mention this match. And I'm glad I didn't because now we're talking about it. But um, anyway, so all that's going on right now. That's all you need to know about that. So this match is a four-way match, and it's between Abyss, Black Rain, a.k.a. Dustin Rhodes, and Relic, which is killer spelled backwards. Now, Mike Tanay will literally mention this every time he says that name, so just keep that in mind. And Shark Boy. Wow. Now, why Shark Boy was thrown in with these guys, who knows? <laughs> but I'm all for it because I love Shark Boy. That just screams like, oh, we didn't have anything for you. Didn't you go home? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, yeah, here. You can be in this match. Yeah. It makes no That's sense. That's incredible. But I love it. I'm all for it. Like, I've, I have toyed with uh, 
doing a, a whole episode on Shark Boy. I have toyed with it for a while, so it might ha- it might still happen at some point. Because Shark Boy is one of the greatest things to ever come out of professional wrestling. And if you don't know anything about Shark Boy, please look it up because he's wonderful. And then, after already being wonderful, he started impersonating Stone Cold for like a year and a half, and it was wonderful. So, anyway, this is before that, though. But, uh, so anyway, so Dustin Rhodes is also going through some weird stuff as well, so that's what this Black Rain character came from. It's like his dark alter ego, and so he's got a black and silver jumpsuit that's similar to the Gold Dust outfit, and a black long-haired wig and silver and black face paint. He also looks to be in rough shape. Like, he, uh, he's fat. I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. Like, he does not look good. Like, like he looks great now, and he, he does not here. Um, he also has a rat in a cage that he brings to the ring. Like, a literal rat named Misty. Now, this I have no idea why, and it never comes into play in this whole match. But, for, uh, he, for some reason, he does. I, I, I don't know why. Um, he also was like on and off tag teaming with Relic, but this isn't a tag team match. Um, but that gets confusing sometimes during this match. Shark Boy comes out covered in bandages, like with he's bandaged up and he's like has a neck brace on. I don't know why he got beat up by somebody. I guess the week before or something. I don't know why, but but I love him anyway. Um, so now we're in the ring. We have to go to the ring now. Again. Silent Night, Deadly Night match. You know what this is, Harris? It's a four-way match with a barbed wire Christmas tree in the middle of the ring with presents underneath it. Oh, man. Yes. That's, yeah, that's a that's a whole nother level right there. Yeah. Wow. Also, for some reason, the tree is attached to the roof by a cable. I don't know why, but it is. And all the that presents... Seems like- the only way they could get it to stay up was I guess. Uh, and then all the presents, though, are wrapped weapons, of course. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, so... Uh, That's a classic. Now, the bell sounds, Harris, and, and you would think the first move would be to just throw someone into that tree. No. Abyss just goes after Black Rain with his fists. So that that's great. Shark Boy and Relic kind of circle the tree, wondering what the other one's going to do, and... Relic grabs one of the packages, opens it up, and it's a golf club. Now, Harris, this was someone's job. Someone's job was literally to wrap these things in wrapping paper and put them under a barbed wire Christmas tree in the middle of a ring. Just the fact that someone got paid for this is mind-boggling, but wrestling is wonderful. Um, The camera shows Abyss and Black Rain fighting outside the ring and then cuts back to the ring where Shark Boy is now attacking Relic with the club that was just in Relic's hands. So wonderful work of the director of the show right there <laughs> by just totally missing the action going on. Um, they uh, they then start fighting out. They th- also then, then Shark Boy and Relic start fighting outside the ring. This is a very difficult match to articulate, so I'm going to try my best. Um, no one has tried this tree yet. So far, they, they're just out of the ring. It's very frustrating. Abyss and Black Rain now get back in the ring. They're fighting. And uh, since the tree is attached to the ceiling, it kind of starts swinging back and forth as they're going around the ring, moving it. And so it looks like a floating barbed wire Christmas tree. It's a very odd. It's an odd look, Harris. 
that's spooky, but I kind of dig it. Pendulum yeah, of Death. That's it is kind of cool, spooky. Yeah, it's very otherworldly looking, like something out of uh, like a horror Christmas movie. Um, Relic comes back in the ring, and, and he and Black Rain start attacking Abyss. They go to a commercial break, and then they come back, and now Shark Boy is beating up both Relic and Black Rain with a Kendo <laughs> Sick that I assume he unwrapped. So far... Each time Sharkboy is doing something, it's after some cut where you never know how it happened. He's just at, on the offense somehow. So good for Sharkboy. He's doing well. Um, he then goes and unwraps a spiked hammer, but he shouldn't have turned his back because then Black Rain just knocks him over and, and starts beating him up. Relic and Black Rain then start arguing over who gets to beat up Sharkboy. And, uh, but then eventually Black Rain throws Sharkboy into the tree. Finally! Someone uses this barbed wire tree, and he kind of just bounces off of it, and the tree just starts kind of swinging into the turnbuckle. It's, it's actually kind of disappointing, to be perfectly honest. I really was expecting more. Uh, Black Rain then tried to throw Relic into the tree, but Relic reverses it, in, or, but then he reverses it into a clothesline. So now it's not a tag match. So far, they have worked together the entire time, and it's very weird. And now they're fighting each other. But after the clothesline, Re Relic clotheslines Black Rain, after that happens... He then immediately asks him to help him attack Shark Boy. And they do. It's I'm so confused at this point. Like, are they are they a tag team helping each other? Or are they fighting each other? It changes every ten seconds. I so commentary sorry, so commentary's not helping you out, because that could be like I'm clearly overthinking it, but like, oh, we're on a tag team in a multi-man match, so you try to work together for a while. And then things fall apart, but, and then you uh, try to reconcile. They're not like they're but, not telling that story at all. But they can't because it's happening within like ten seconds of each other. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like you, uh, yes, that that story makes sense. But but they're not. They're not just, when they're, they're, they're literally like, all right, we're both beating this guy up. Oh, now I'm gonna beat you up. Whack, clothesline. And then as he's on the ground, oh here, come over here and help me attack this guy again. It's like, oh man, what? It's so That's it's funny. so weird. That's very good. All right. Um, so now they start both attacking Shark Boy again, right after Black Rain got closed, clotheslined by Relic. So again, it, it's weird. But then uh, Relic hits like an, ass an assisted face buster on Shark Boy and goes for the pin. But then Black Rain pulls him off, says, No, I'm going to go for the pin. So they start fighting back and forth over the pinfall. Abyss comes back and he halts both of that with a double clothesline. He goes to the presence, opens it up, and it's a barbed wire bat that he just goes to town on Black Rain and Relic, just starts whacking him with it. He then is unsatisfied with that, so he goes and opens another present, and it's a bag of tacks. But he's still not done. Goes back to the presence and gets a hockey stick that was unwrapped, and uh, which he starts just hitting Relic and uh, Black Rain with it. But then he's still not done, goes back, and now he finds a bag of glass. So, oh, we now have uh, spilled tacks all over the ring and broken glass all over the ring. Um, Black Rain and Relic are now, they're, they're fine now, and they're, they're just going and attacking Abyss. They were just hit by a barbed barb wire bat, but they're fine now. And um, then Shark Boy gets on the top rope, and he clocks Black Rain. Shark Boy and Abyss are now working together, and they, uh, they put Relic on top of Black Rain in the corner, kind of stack them on each other, and then they grab the tree and swing it into them. Thank goodness. But unfortunately for Black Rain, Relic moves, so Black Rain's the one who gets stuck with the uh, with the tree. Mm. And that's pretty good. That's a pretty good spot. 
Yeah, that's a pretty satisfying spot. I again, I don't know if, if the pendulum was planned the whole time or if they just set it up to make the tree stand upright. But that's a pretty like that's a very different gimmick to have, yeah. and I'm really I'm digging it. Yeah, that was well done. Um, I, I was very impressed with that. So James Mitchell now has shown up at ringside. He's distracting the referee as Abyss is trying to pl- uh, pin Black Rain. Abyss then grabs Mitchell, but right as he does, the lights go out, and who shows up but Judas uh, Messias, and he just drives Abyss's face into the tax, which oh. looks pretty gnarly. And then Relic hits a jackhammer, which is apparently his finisher, although they call it something else, hits that on Shark Boy, and uh, gets the win. So so Relic wins. Poor Shark Boy took the uh, took the pinfall. But uh, but that that match, Harris, is the whole reason I I did this topic. I had that match on the list. And then as I looked on it, I was like, wait a minute. I started seeing the names of the other matches, and I was like, wait a minute. This is, uh, no, 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 we're doing this whole show. (laughs) That's very good. I love that. So that was, uh, look, man, I mean, the barbed wire tree did it. Like, that. it did it. That that made made the whole thing. It it made it. Other than that, it was a little disappointing. But that that Uh, at least, that that lived up to expectations. One of my favorite, like, I love whenever wrestling does an entire Christmas episode. Like it's stupid. It's the opposite of everything we talked about with this week's dynamite. Mm -hmm. It's a pure one-off, but whenever they do that and they're like, look, anybody who is watching Monday night raw on Christmas Eve or whatever, they're too, like we're giving them a glorified house show. And that's fine with me. As long as you go overboard with the Christmas stuff. So I'm a big fan of this. I, I hope they do it every year. I hope they do it this year in the Thunderdome. I hope they have some like Santa on television appearance. I, I hope they do all of it. I, I'm a big fan. Well, if you're hold your horses, Harris, because uh, well, let's just say some of that's coming. Um, all right, we got to go back to the party, of course. Oh, I thought the episode was over. I thought this was nope. the main event. Nope, <laughs> nope, not the main event. Wow. Nope, we got plenty more to go to, Harris. Uh, oh, all right, word. we are back to the party. Samoa Joe shows up. And he goes up to Matt Morgan, and he says that this time should have been slotted for wrestling. And, Harris, I have to agree. I, I honestly have no idea if Joe is supposed to be a heel or a babyface, but I'm 100% behind Samoa Joe right now. He says that when he sees Cornette, uh, when Morgan sees Cornette, to tell him that uh, to take his contract offer and stick it, he then apologizes to everyone, but then promptly destroys the food table and the Christmas tree, and Eric Young is just beside himself. He's devastated. Samoa Joe leaves. JB is trying to tell uh, Eric Young that that Angle... Now, though, JB's trying to, like, help Eric Young by explaining to him that Angle was right, and that Santa isn't real. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not... Because Eric Young is just like, oh, Santa will never show up. No, he destroyed the whole thing. He's trying to help him. And then who shows up? But Santa Claus. And we cut ah. to a commercial. So uh, next up, though, is the actual main event of the show, Harris. And <laughs> all right. This is uh, a grab for the reindeer match. Now, Harris, again, what do you think that means? Earth. Now I'm really <laughs> baffled. I, I don't know. I don't know, but if Santa isn't involved, like if Santa isn't in Eric Young's corner, I'm going to be really disappointed. Uh, well, no, Eric Young is not in this match. No one okay. we've mentioned previously is in this match. 
Oh, of course. This is between Why AJ Styles be? and Kaz, a.k.a. Kazarian. Yeah. And it's oh, a ladder yeah, yeah, yeah. match. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. What's at the top? Well, I already told you, Harris. The goal is to climb the ladder and grab a reindeer costume that is suspended above the ring. And the loser has to wear it. I don't know what I expected. <laughs> Obviously, what else would it mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Wear it to what? <laughs> this is the main event of the show. Like, Nothing. To the they just lot? have to, to wear back? it. No, they just have to put it on. It doesn't yeah. specify a time period or anything. It just says they have to put it on. Uh, the funny thing is, apparently, this happened to AJ recently as he lost the Turkey Bowl match on Thanksgiving and had to wear a turkey costume. <laughs> so. Yeah, and AJ's a heel at the time. He he's in he's a part of Angle's heel faction right now. And um now Harris, like this isn't just like a reindeer costume. Like it literally looks like a mascot costume. Like you see a huge wow. brown reindeer head hanging above the ring. Like it looks like Rudolph was decapitated. That's what it looks like is hanging from the top of the ring. Um so the match starts. They immediately fight outside the ring for a while. Um AJ goes into the, he ends up knocking out Kazarian, grabs the ladder, starts to go into the ring, and there's a pretty cool spot where Kaz at one point suplexes AJ, like, over the top rope onto uh, the ladder, which is propped up, like, uh, on a, at an angle on the apron, so that looks pretty gnarly, that, that's a pretty gnarly suplex onto, onto that, it looks like it hurts. Um, both try several times for the costume, very unsuccessfully. AJ hits an awesome moonsault DDT off the ladder, which looks so cool. That's when he does that, uh, normally he does it off, like, the corner or something where he, like, backflips and grabs them in a reverse DDT and then hits that. I'm sure you've seen him do that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does it off the ladder, so that's really cool. And, and Harris, this is the first match that's, like, actually being taken seriously, other than when they cut to show the reindeer head above the ring. Like, it's actually, like, a, a, a real ladder match. Like, a, a really good match. And then they cut to that reindeer head, and you're like, oh. <laughs> so, so. That's uh, perfect, though. That's exactly what I want. That's. Yeah. Because these two guys can go. And, like, yes. the ladder match is a good stipulation that can allow for a good match. And also, here's Rudolph's decapitated head. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, AJ, it's an awesome Pele kick at one point where it really looks like he just clocked Kaz on the back of the neck. It looks awesome. Um, they go back and forth a lot. They go through a spot where they're both throwing each other into the uh, ladder that's propped up in the corner. Um, AJ almost gets the gets the uh, costume, but Kaz just dumps the whole ladder over and just crotches AJ on the ropes, which is always a good spot. Like it, it's a good match. It's a solid ladder match. Um, they're both on top of the ladder at one point under the costume, punching back and forth, and then AJ like pulls Kaz like over his head and then like slams him to the ground off the top of the ladder. I've never seen it done. It's almost like he almost does like a like a hip toss from like the top of the ladder. It's kind of weird looking, but it looks like it huh. hurt. And um so now he's going to climb up and he's about to win and Angle comes out and he's there to cheer on AJ and tells him go he's telling him to go and get the get the costume. But AJ's kind of confused, as any wrestler is when anybody shows up. It doesn't really matter. It's going. It's going to cause confusion most right. of the time. It costs you a match. When you saw Kurt right. So of course that enables Kaz to push the ladder over again. He oh, then climbs man. up, grabs the costume. Angle has now unintentionally cost AJ the match, 
and Good. AJ is, and um, AJ's not happy about it. A bunch of refs comes in, come into the ring now to ensure that AJ puts on this costume. <laughs> <laughs> AJ just starts throwing a temper tantrum like he's laying on the ground, screaming no and like pounding his fists. And uh, he says he's not putting it on. He's like, nope, not doing it, not doing it. And Harris, I swear this goes on for like three straight minutes where he's just like, no, I'm not putting it on. And the refs are like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Here, put this on. And he's like, nope, not doing it. So he tries to leave the ring. The refs like grab his legs and like yank him back into the ring. And uh, the crowd just chanting, put it on, put it on. <laughs> Angle now comes into the ring and the refs start telling him to tell AJ to put on the costume. Right. Kurt reluctantly agrees, grabs the mic, tells AJ to put on the costume. So AJ is mad, just pouty face, just slowly putting on this weird jump, brown jumpsuit. And then it gets zipped up, and but he's not going to put on the head. Not put on the head. And he like shoves it back in Earl Hebner's face. And uh, Kurt then is like, no, put, put on the costume and puts the head on AJ. And now AJ's throwing another temper tantrum, rolling around the ring, but but in the costume. Um, Angle now says that uh, that AJ lost the match, just like he did at Thanksgiving, and he is a disgrace to his team. So he tells him to leave the ring, keep the costume on, go to his hotel room, and say, I am not a reindeer 1,000 times. <laughs> so AJ slowly hangs his head. And walks up the ramp in the reindeer costume. After he does that, down the ramp comes Eric Young and Santa Claus with bags of presents. Hooray! And Kurt cannot believe it. Like, he's just standing in the ring, just staring at him. And EY and Santa, they just start throwing merch out to all the fans. The fans are cheering. Mike Tanay sums it up perfectly when he says, and I quote, Only at a TNA Christmas party sponsored by Eric Young can we have midgets, monkeys, mistletoe, and yes, Santa Claus himself. Now, Mike, you are 100% right. Only at TNA could we have all of these things in one show. But we are not done yet. They get into the ring where Kurt is just staring at him. Santa tries to gift Kurt a DVD, but Kurt just throws it away. He then tells Eric Young that he tried to tell him earlier that there's no such thing as Santa. The crowd, they start booing him, and uh, Kurt calls them all idiots, and he says that he's never gotten a gift from Santa. Even when he won a gold medal, he didn't get a gift from Santa. And he says he's been a very good boy, so he's entitled for a gift from Santa for Christmas. Actually, though, he wants a gift for someone else. He wants Christian Cage to grow some balls and show up here so that he can finish him off because they've been feuding for the TNA title. Santa says he can't do that, so Kurt immediately clotheslines Santa Claus and throws Eric Young out of the ring. Now we have one of the best parts of this show where the camera cuts to this amazing shot of a little girl crying her eyes out because Santa is being attacked. Yep. Which is definitely a highlight of this show. (laughs) Heel Heat 101. Yeah, brilliant. Wow. They really went there. They did. That's funny because you think like Santa Claus being real, the magic of Christmas is like the logical conclusion to this. 
No, Kurt no, Angle's going to no. beat him up. Get some cheap heat. Here we go. Yep, he slaps the ankle lock on him and starts to just kill Santa. But then Christian Cage pops out of one of the big presents that's decorating the stage and goes after Angle. Wait, were they there the whole show? Was I don't he know. in the presents the, the whole this, show? There's no way this particular one was. But there have been oh. presents the whole show. But there's no way this Incredible. particular one. Um, So he goes in. He... He goes after Kurt. He decks him with the belt and puts him in an ankle lock until Angle scrambles out of the out of the ring and then goes up the ramp. And that ends our show, Harris. <laughs> we man, have went just, for quite a ride. Man, like three separate times I thought the episode was over and it just kept going. That's... I know. I feel bad. This is one of our longest episodes ever. And uh, that, yeah, that, but that's why. That is, that's why it was, uh, it was quite a show. It was quite, it was quite a show. I had a great time listening to it. Like I said, when I thought we were wrapping up the first time, I am a sucker for any self-contained Christmas magic episode and really any show, but especially something as weird as wrestling where you can do this. I'm not sure. And this was good. I'm not sure I can find anything that tops this one and Alberto Del Rio accidentally running over Santa Claus with his car, which is still my all time favorite. (laughs) That was, that was great. Because he that was, was a awesome. heel, but even he felt bad. It was like the opposite of Kurt Angle. He's like, oh, no, I killed Santa. <laughs> it was even better. He's like, guys, it wasn't my fault. And everyone's like, get out of here. It was very good. But yeah. I'm excited to see what else I can find in the few remaining weeks of December we have left. I'm looking yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to find next. This was my last one of my research from uh, from last year, my last Christmas thing that I found. So. I don't even know how many more there are out there or how many more good ones, but but this was great. The barbed wire Christmas tree is what started this whole thing. Once I heard about yeah, that match and I was like, there's a barbed wire Christmas tree with presents, with uh, weapons wrapped as presents. All right, I'm in. And uh, I was like, I hope there's enough here. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, there is. There's a whole show. I love it. <laughs> and then once I saw that each match was themed, like every single one of them, I was like, okay, that that's, I, I just, we hit the jackpot here. <laughs> absolutely i respect that level of commitment always uh so that was fun i enjoyed that and uh yeah that that is our first christmas episode of this 2020 christmas season make sure and follow us on twitter at behind underscore gorilla also instagram same handle at behind at behind underscore gorilla and uh, you can follow me on twitter at mark mark brand and I'm Matt Harris Wilson. Let's go ahead and do that. I tweet out AEW when their shows happen and where the, the episode links and then any other things we happen to think of. So go ahead and check that out. And, uh, yeah, any uh, any final thoughts, Harris, before we sign off for the week? Uh, well, let us know your Christmas matches if you've got them. Oh, yeah. Uh, if not, we're just going to review. Isn't David Arquette in a Muppet Christmas Carol? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. He's in Muppets from Space. Oh, dadgummit. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, no, no. He's not in the good can... one. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll review that at some point, but it won't be Christmas. <laughs> Forget I said anything. Yeah. Or we could just randomly review a Muppet Christmas Carol for absolutely no reason because the Muppets <laughs> were on Raw, so technically there is a wrestling connection. There you go. Crossover. We'll see. We'll figure it out. We might come back with some absolute nonsense next week, but <laughs> Who knows? it'll be fine. It'll it be will. Fun. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Gorilla, and we will talk to you next week.